Let's pray. Father, give you thanks for the day. We thank you so much for the many opportunities that we have to gather together in this place to worship you. Father, I thank you for the songs that have been sung, the announcements that have been given, the prayers that have been lifted up, and the testimony that's been given from Sasha. And uh, Father, I thank you for the call that you've placed in his life. I thank you that, he is, that he's safe here, that he's secure, that his family is safe. And Father, I, I just pray that you would just continue to watch over him and and their family. I pray, Lord, for their, their, their ministry and their work, that the gospel will be proclaimed through their ministry. And Father, I, I pray that today, as we gather around your word, that we, that we hear the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed, preached, taught through this message. And that in this message, we would, we would hear the gospel. We would hear Paul's teaching to the church in Corinth 2,000 years ago and see how it applies to our life today. And Father, I pray that we don't just hear somebody say, man, God is great, God is doing this, and, and I'm following him, but we would hear that, and that we would see it in Scripture, we would see it in other people's lives, and we would be inspired and be faithful to do the same. That we would go into the nations and make disciples. And Father, if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of life, I, I pray that today would be that day where they admit that they're a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. For the believer that's here that's struggling or maybe trying to discern God's call in their life, I pray that today would be a day where they hear from you, that they know the next step they are to take in their relationship with you. Sometimes that's just a hard thing to know what, what God wants us to do. And so, Father, I pray that you would just make it clear. Maybe what not the next 10-year plan is going to be, but the next step is that you want us to take. Father, I recognize that I have part in this. And so if you would, Lord, forgive me my sin. Cleanse me of the unrighteousness that's in my life and give me the grace that is needed to preach your word in a way to bring honor and glory to your name. Lord Jesus, we love you and pray all these things in your name and all God's people said, amen. amen. You love her, but she loves him. And he loves somebody else. You just can't win. And so it goes to the day you die. This thing they call love, it's going to make you cry. I've had the blues the reds and the pinks. One thing for sure, love stinks. Love stinks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two by two and side by side, love's going to find you. Yes, it is. You just can't hide. You're here at call. Your heart will fall. Then love will fly. It's going to soar. I don't care for any Casanova thing. All I can say is love stinks. You guys are going to have to do better on this today, all right? <laughs> I've been through diamonds. I've, be, I've been through minks. I've been through it all. Love stinks. There we go. That's better. When we read this last part of chapter 7 from Paul, you might think that Paul is some sort of he-man, woman-haters club. The temptation might be to think that he's sort of anti-love, that he's some wedding singer who thinks that love stinks. 
If we look at Paul's writing, you will see a, a man who loves love, though. Today's scripture points us, and points young couples especially, unmarried, to the importance of making the right decision about marriage. Today's passage is more about young people and unmarried people being faithful than it is about getting married or not getting married. Paul is calling the church in Corinth, and he's calling the young men and women to be faithful. This is a call, a teaching on faithfulness. Verse 25, now concerning the betrothed, I now command from the Lord, but I give, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. The word betrothed in many of your translation is virgin. A lot of your translations do a better job here, but it refers to those who have never been married. Again, this whole chapter 7 is, is answering the question whether or not people in the church in Corinth should get married or not. And contextually, Paul has remained pretty consistent throughout this entire chapter, has he not? Hey, just remain as you are. If it's possible, keep the same circumstances that you're in. If you're married, stay married. If you're divorced, stay divorced. If you're widowed, stay widowed. If you're single, stay single. If you've never been married, stay single. So remain in the condition that you're in. That's the, that's the message of this chapter that Paul has preached, taught, and shared with this church. Paul is saying here in verse 25, I don't know if Jesus spoke to this matter or not, but this is my conviction, he says. I, 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 I'm, I'm an apostle. I, I, I trust that I'm making the right decision here. I, I feel that I'm led by the Lord as I say this. And so he shares with them. Verse 26, that I think in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain, well, as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you that. I heard that, okay? <laughs> Paul says, in, in view of the present distress. Now, a person should remain as he is. The question in most commentaries that I've read this week is, what's the present distress, right? Some would say that there is something going on there. There's trouble between Corinth and, and, a, and a, a neighbor. But, and some would even say, hey, there's a famine, a shortage of food, financial troubles that's going on here. And that's why Paul is saying, hey, this present distress is something that's economically going on or something politically that's going on, like, like Ukraine. You know, there's something politically going on right now. Maybe it's not the best time to start a family. Maybe it's not the best time to buy a house. Maybe it's not the best time to raise a kid. Maybe it's not the best time to... That's what Paul is... Like, focus on... David Garland says the disciples and church leaders lived with the end in mind, though. They believed that they were living in their final days. 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Paul says this, These things happened to them as examples and were written down as a warning for us on whom the culmination of the age, what? Has come. The culmination of the age has come. This is Paul saying, the same church, the same letter, in the same breath, 
come. It's the culmination of age has come. Paul believes the disciples, they lived with the end in mind, friends. They, they were all in to answering the call. They really did believe that they were living in the end times, that Jesus would soon return to the throne. Gordon Fee puts Paul's argument into this perspective. In light of the troubles we are already experiencing, who needs the additional burden of marriage as well? That's what Paul is saying, he thinks. Friends, there are some who would argue that if Paul was an apostle, if Paul truly was inspired by God, he would have known that the hour of Christ returned. He would know. Well, listen to what Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. It's the Father's business when he's going to return. It's not, the apostle doesn't know. Apostle Paul has no idea. Jesus says, hey, I don't even know the hour. I mean, you would think that the Son of God would, he said, hey, listen, it's not my business. But it's our business to go and make disciples, to be faithful and true. We don't know the day, the hour, but we do know that one day our Lord will return. There are a lot of con artists out there who preach and teach that they know, friends. And let me tell you, the Bible is quite clear that they don't. Verse 29. This is what I mean, brothers. The point of time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I don't believe that Paul is saying here, don't get married. He isn't saying, don't honor your marriages. He isn't saying here, don't have experiences of joy and sadness. He isn't calling us not to care about this world. Paul cared. Paul had joy. He grieved. He mourned. He had sadness. He had emotion. He wasn't some robot that just went through life. And if he didn't care, he wouldn't be writing this letter, right? But I think, I mean, Paul invested in others. He loved people. But he also, he used his time wisely. One of my favorite authors is a a man named Tim Keller. Dr. Keller uh, was in the last couple of years, diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. As, as many of you know, that's like a, that's a widow maker, right? I mean, that's nothing that you don't come back from. And uh, he says that as a cancer patient, he lives from one scan to the next. Some of us have experienced or have had a, a loved one experience what it's like to receive that news, that life is finite, it's short, that time is limited, not to years, but to months or even days. For some, that news inspires. It causes us to want to make the most of our time, and yet and for others, it paralyzes us. I think at some point, we have to acknowledge the elephant in the room, though, that 
Each of us have a finite amount of time on this earth. That we're not given unlimited time. That we have to say, I, I can't go backwards. I can't push pause. I can't, I can't add, I can't buy any more of this. I have to use it wisely. I can't waste it. John Piper has a, a, a really good book. It's called Don't Waste Your Life. It's a short book. It's an older book. Not old as in like some of you, but older as in like for me. And in this book, Piper is, is critical of the American dream. He said, hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with Florida. There's nothing wrong with the beach. There's nothing wrong with seashells. But if like, that's your dream, like that's your aspirations, like God is not going to be impressed by your seashells, friends. Like there's nothing wrong with, if you want to, like, I hope to one day retire. You know what I mean? I really do. At the same time, like, I got, I don't know why more people don't retire in Ecuador or Ukraine. Or why don't people retire in Sudan? Why don't people go and use their retirement for the Lord? Why isn't that their aspiration? Why isn't that their dream? That in their final days they are used by God for the glory of God. To go and therefore make disciples and baptize them. Why not have that as an aspiration, a dream? Why not take your family on a mission trip? Why not go and serve and teach them what it means to be faithful and true? Nothing wrong with Florida. Nothing wrong with the beach. I guess there is something kind of wrong with Florida. I don't like it, but <laughs> my wife is born there, so she likes it. We go. There's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with vacationing. Friends, there's nothing in this life that you have that you will accumulate that will pass on from this life to eternity except for your soul and the souls of those around you. If you want to invest, if you want to do meaningful work, you want to make the most of the time that you have on this earth, use it for the glory of God. Find a way to use your time for the glory of God. Friends, young people, I just want you to know that your worth isn't dictated by whether or not you have a ring by spring. Go find out what God wants you to do with your life. You know, the world is, a, is an awesome place. It's beautiful. There are so many places to go, so many things to do, so many places to visit and experience, so many people to meet, so many people to share the gospel with, so many opportunities for you to be used. When there is no kid, there is no mortgage, there is no credit card bill, there is no 
You don't have to look like everybody else on Instagram. You don't have to look like everybody else in your psychology class, in your science class, in your dormitory. Go and, and find somebody like Sasha and say, hey, that, that, that's a person that I want to be like. Go and find people that, you're, that you want to emulate that are living out the gospel of Jesus Christ on a daily basis. Listen to what Paul says in verse 32. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit, but the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. As we've seen in the last few chapters, really the last seven chapters in, Corinth, in Corinthians, the, the Corinthians are they're easily influenced by secular and worldly temptations. Paul sees this and he says, hey, you guys, you have enough problems as it is. Just being a single guy, just being a, a single woman, like you have enough problems being faithful by yourself. Maybe you ought to figure that out first and then go get married. Maybe you ought to figure out how to, how to be faithful and true. You know, friends, I... I, I I don't think Paul wants the, the men of Corinth, the women of Corinth to neglect their spouse. He wants them to be able to go and do the work without the stress of taking care of a family, remaining single, would allow for them to have single-minded obedience, to learn that Jesus Christ is Lord of life. You know, some of you have to travel for your job I've done it before. It's not fun. It's not easy. It's hard. It, honestly, your family suffers a lot of times. Even your job suffers if you have a wife and kid at home or kids at home and you, you want to be there more so than you want to be away. I have a friend of mine who has worked nights throughout his entire marriage and just recently he got put on a day shift at his job. He said, you know, Jeff, he goes, I, my job hasn't changed at all, but my marriage certainly has. <laughs> Paul understands that for these young men who are committing their life to God, they would be going on a mission. Friends, when we accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, it's not just a call to come and sit in a pew. It's not just a call to watch YouTube videos on what it means to be a disciple or read books or go to a Bible study. It's a call to go and to serve. It's a call to service. 
Our, our calling to faith in Jesus Christ is a call to come and serve. I, Paul understands this. And the expectation was at that time, hey, go and make disciples. Like that's your job. I don't care if you're a, a pastor. I don't care if you're a deacon. I don't care if you're a, a, a home church leader. Like each of our responsibilities is to go and to make disciples. It's not just one person's job. It's all of our responsibility. If the church was going to grow and become what God desired for it to be, it was going to take not just one person to be able to do the work of the gospel. It was going to take all of us. Friends, we're, we're better together than we are as individuals. When God calls you to salvation, it's a call to come and serve. Paul is saying to these young men, allow for there to be time in your life to serve. Allow for there to be time in your life to develop your faith in Jesus Christ. Paul wasn't against marriage. He was against people putting themselves into situations in which they were not going to be successful. I don't know about you, but when I was 20 years old, I wasn't ready to be married. You know? I just wasn't. And if I would have married Kathy at 20 years old, I mean, it would have really, I don't know if we would have made it, you know. And I, I don't think if I would have met Kathy at 20, did we meet at 20 yet or no? I don't think we had. But if we had, it would, like, we weren't even attracted to each other when we first met each I mean, there was just such a divide there. And, and some people, they're mature enough to do that. And for a lot of people, self-included we are not and for the church in Corinth it was filled with people that just weren't and Paul knew this he knew this Paul isn't, wasn't against marriage God isn't against marriage friends I mean God has established the marriage covenant verse 36 if anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly towards his betrothed if his passions are strong and it has to be let them do as he wishes let them marry it is no sin but whoever is firmly established in his heart be under no necessity by having his desire under control and has determined that in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then, he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife bound to her husband, a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord, yet in my judgment she is happier if she remains as she is, and I think that I too have the Spirit of God. Paul continues his train of thought of remaining as you are. If you are married, stay married. If you're single, stay single. If you want to get married, get married. But Paul says the point that there are opportunities for service for both the single person and the married. There's nothing wrong with either. But for those who are immature in their faith, those who are young, those who need to grow, remain single. He said, it's going to be better for you to remain single. To get, and then when it's time, when it's, it's right, go get married. The key to this text, I think, is to understand that Paul is talking to a particular church in a particular season, friends. God established the marriage covenant. Being married is a good thing. Very, being married to the right person at the right time is even a better thing. My wife makes me a better pastor, friends. She makes me a better person. She makes me 
She strengthens my ministry. She brings stability to my life. But there was a time when I needed to grow up. I wasn't ready. I wasn't established enough in my faith to be the husband that my wife needed me to be. I imagine that there were a lot of young men in Corinth who weren't ready to be married. They weren't able to handle both growing in the Lord and growing in a relationship with someone of the opposite sex. They weren't ready to be a husband. They weren't ready to be a father. What Paul is calling for is that our relationships with the opposite sex don't compromise your relationship with the Lord. Friends, I've shared this before. Uh, it's easier to find the right spouse than get rid of the wrong one. You know? And it's, it's easier to, to make the right decision than correct the wrong one. Bruce Springsteen says, there's nothing like that moment in your life of being young and leaving someplace. All that youthful freedom. You feel finally untethered from everything you've ever known. The life you lived, your past, your parents, the world you've gotten used to and that you've loved and hated. Your life lying before you, your life lying before you is like a blank page. He says, it's the one thing I miss about getting older. I miss the beauty of that blank page. So much life in front of me. It's promise, it's possibilities, it's mysteries, it's adventures. That blank page, that blank page just lying there, daring you to write on it. The older I get, uh, the more I realize that page is getting shorter and shorter. You know, and I have to ask myself the question, do I want to waste my time doing this or spend my money doing that or I just I've got to ask myself those questions right and uh, I think each of us have to come to the realization that there are um, minimal opportunities that we have and no matter what we say no matter what we do It's going to come to a time when our page comes to an end. You know, I, I think about uh, the people here today, and there are some of you going through situations in your life where uh, you have aches and pains and uh, concerns and worries. You have health issues and financial issues. You have uh, family issues. You've got spiritual issues. Uh, 
Sometimes the, the ache and pain is more than just an ache and a pain. We, we go to the doctor and we realize uh, it's something more than that. Uh, sometimes we have a conversation with our spouse and we realize it's more than just an argument. Sometimes we spend time with the Lord and realize it's more than just a one-time deal. Sometimes we realize the truth. I, uh, I pray for you all on a regular basis. And uh, every day I pray for our church. I, I pray for my family. I, I pray for the lost people that are in this community. The opportunity to share the gospel with them. I know many of you are, are going through difficult times and situations and um, I, I love our church and I, I love our uh, love for one another you know when someone is sick or hurting or going through a hard time this church just surrounds people with love and compassion and, and you are testimonies of that and uh, Friends, I, I, I hope that you're willing to not just to support people in their physical, relational issues, but also in their spiritual. I, I hope that you know that there are people in this room that you can trust with issues that are challenging in your life, sin that you struggle with, that those issues are just as important as the physical, as the emotional. That your spiritual condition matters. And friends, that there are... I, I, I hope that you realize that there is a time that God expects you to be obedient and to be faithful. To answer the call that's placed on your life. John 9 says that a night is going to come when no man will work. The night is coming, friends. The day will come when that sky does break. And none of us will have another opportunity to share the gospel with somebody else. The night is coming. The night is coming. Go, therefore, and do as the Lord leads you. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together in this place. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be the men and women that you've called us to be, that your mercies, they renew each and every morning that you forgive us of our sin, you, you love us when we even when we come up short, and that you are willing to use us in spite of our failures, in spite of our shortcomings, even though we are a fraud, even though we're a failure. You forgive us. You call us into relationship with you. 
And you give us opportunities to serve you. And so, Father, I pray that out of a sense of gratitude for what you've done for us, that we would respond today with obedience. That we would take this opportunity and allow for it to be a time where we acknowledge what you are doing in our life. That what you are calling us to do and who you're calling us to be. I pray, Lord, that you would convict us. That you would share with us people in our life that we can go and share the love of God with. That we can not waste our time on the things of this world, but rather we would focus our time and attention on your will. Father God, we love you and we pray that if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, that today would be the day where they acknowledge their need for Jesus, that they've been wasting their life, that they've been wasting their time, that they, they want to acknowledge that they need Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And I pray if that is the case, that they would, they would just come running to you. They would admit that they are a sinner. They would believe that Jesus is the Son of God and confess their sins. And Father, I pray that if there's someone here today that's struggling with sin or struggling with hardships, that this would be a time as we sing a song of invitation to respond. And Lord, just move in this moment. Speak to us. We will give you all the honor and all the glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.